Hello, I'm Kelly Cervantes, and this is Seizing Life. On today's episode, we're taking a look at what it's like to manage epilepsy while pregnant with Caroline McAteer. She is the Associate Director of Employer Engagement and Partnerships at DePaul University Career Center. Caroline is also the past president of the board for the Danny Did Foundation. In addition, she is the proud mother of her nine-year-old daughter, Nora, and is here today to talk about the challenges epilepsy presented during her pregnancy. Caroline, thank you so much for coming to chat with us today. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to have our conversation and talk about this. Tell me a little bit about yourself. Sure. So I um, live in Chicago. I work at DePaul University, and the pride and joy of my life is my nine-year-old daughter, Nora, who's in Love fourth that grade. Name. And um, she just brings so much joy to us. And every day I look at her, and quite honestly, I'm so thankful that I was able to get pregnant and have a, a healthy child. And I probably think that more than your average parent, just because I knew that it was possible that we wouldn't be able to. So let's dive right in and sure. talk about that. Sure. So you have epilepsy. I do. Mm-hmm. I've had which, it since I was 11. Since you were 11. So talk to us about your your journey with epilepsy through the years sure. being diagnosed and how sure. that's impacted your life. Sure. So um, yeah, I was diagnosed at 11. They don't know the cause. Uh, my parents just you know, we're my biggest, of course, supporters, found the best doctors. If a doctor wasn't nice to us, they left that doctor and we found another doctor. So they really taught me me how to do that for myself. And um, so I kept it a secret until I was about 35 um, from everybody but close friends and family because I didn't want people to ever think Caroline with epilepsy or Caroline has seizures or I didn't want them to think, oh my God, is she going to have a seizure and start convulsing around us? So it was easier for me to deal with this disease to just keep it to myself. So when I was about 36, I um, sort of came out and decided I got involved with the Danny Did Foundation and um, someone wrote a story about my living with epilepsy and I accidentally put it on Facebook and hit public. So people from college and all parts of my life realized, wow, she has epilepsy. I never knew that. So now I tell everybody because I think the more we talk about it, the less stigma will be. I could not agree more. And I, I always sort of preface that with, you know, it's much easier for me to talk mm-hmm. about the epilepsy in our lives because my daughter is not going to have a career. She is mm-hmm. not going to have a romantic relationship. There's there's none of these pieces in her life um, because it has so significantly disabled her mm-hmm. that we really have to worry about that stigma for her. Yeah. But it's out there and so I am always just so in awe and so impressed and so appreciative of the advocates that are out there, the the people with epilepsy who are sharing their stories because it is your story, I mm-hmm. think, is yeah. one of those that is, it's, it's really important for people to understand that there is just this incredibly wide spectrum from my daughter to a incredibly successful woman who is thriving with a family. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you always wanna be a mom? Yes. And you are on meds. I guess I, I also want to, is your, are your seizures controlled by yeah. the meds? Yeah. Tigertal and Lamictal. So I've been on those two drugs for 
20 years. I th well, I had a temporal lobectomy in 2004. So that's actually part of the story. So I had that, that surgery with the hope that I would come off my medication. Okay. Surgery wasn't 100% effective, so I had to stay on the meds. So you are deciding, you and your husband, that you want to have children. Mm -hmm. How far in advance, I, I have to imagine that um, you were in communication prior, obviously, with your OB, but also with your epileptologist. Mm -hmm. How far prior to getting pregnant did those conversations begin? Sure. So... I actually had a conversation with my husband when we were dating because I thought there's no way. I mean, there was a chance that I wouldn't be able to get pregnant because women with epilepsy statistically can have a harder time getting pregnant. So I asked my husband, boyfriend at the time, are you open to adopting children if, if we had to when we were to get married? And he, I, I cleared it with him. So that was always out there that we may need to adopt. So as soon as um, I got married, my epileptologist said, you need to start taking folic acid. So I started taking that right away, even though I knew I wasn't ready to have children yet, mm -hmm. and took a lot of it, more than your average woman. So I always felt like that was comforting to know, I'm taking these pills twice a day to just prepare my body for um, hopefully what's to come. So that was probably three to four years in advance of trying to get pregnant. Hi. This is Brandon from Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy or Cure. Learn more about epilepsy, pregnancy, and contraception at cureepilepsy.org forward slash pregnancy. Now back to this episode of Seizing Life. Did it um, take you longer to get pregnant or was that a normal? Um, sure. So it was I don't know what normal is yeah, in terms of no. that. I feel like that's, that's not a fair way to phrase that because I think every woman's experience in trying to get yeah. pregnant is so drastically different. Um, but were there, did you, did you come across complications in trying to get pregnant as a result of your epilepsy? Maybe that's the better I question. Didn't. No, I didn't. And I think God was honestly like this girl has been through a lot. I'm just going to let her make this part of her life easy. Um, but it was a lot of preparing to get to that point. So I saw a high-risk doctor, a pregnancy doctor, um, to just talk about, you know, if I were to be blessed with getting pregnant, what's that going to be like? Um, we tried to come off, or I tried to come off my two seizure meds the year before we wanted to try to get pregnant. Um, so I tapered off those very slowly and staying on Lamictal, which is safer than Tigertal, staying just on Lamictal alone didn't work because I started having seizures. So um, I decided, you know what, with my diet and consulting with my doctor, I would rather be on these two medications if I was pregnant and be safe as a mom mm -hmm. and keep the fetus safe than to risk coming off them um, because, you know, a lot of people don't want to be on any medication when they're pregnant. Well, that's, and that's very normal. That's the very first yeah, thing that sort of comes normal. to my mind is you read these mommy blogs or yeah. every pregnancy book and they're like, you know, the only med you should be taking is right. Tylenol right. and that maybe if that and don't eat sushi and don't do this. And, yeah. and here you, in order to survive and stay safe, mm -hmm. you need these serious anti-convulsive medications. Yeah, yeah. You know, so what was your, you know, what did the doctor tell you about that? What mm -hmm. was your thought process and comfortability? Because that's, sure. that's a big piece of this. Sure. So with a high-risk pregnancy, we had extra ultrasounds. Um, mm -hmm. 
And so my doctor said, you know, here's the extra risk with Tigertal and here's the slight extra risk with Lamictal. And while they were slight risks, in my head, it was double what the of average course. woman's risk of having um, birth defects there were. And that's all I could think of was double. So I, I knew that. And one piece of having epilepsy and being pregnant is you have to have a lot of blood work. So my neurologist had me do the blood work once a month in the first trimester and then twice a month in the second and then every week in the third trimester to make sure that my hormones weren't decreasing the effectiveness of my seizure meds. Of course. Right. Absolutely. We didn't have to think of that, but hormones affect everything. Yes. And so as we got closer and closer to the delivery, he really wanted to make sure that at no point were my seizure meds being affected by hormones. Can that also be a seizure trigger as? Well, it's interesting because some women have, are more likely to have seizures while they're pregnant because of that. And some women are less likely to have seizures while they're pregnant uh -huh. because of that. So it's really interesting. And as I was getting ready to go through this process and like thinking about having children, I remember reading that and actually it didn't affect me one way or the other with the hormonal effect. I had a few um, minor seizures, but nothing out of the ordinary. And I was in very close contact with my doctors throughout the entire pregnancy, um, especially my epileptologist, um, mm -hmm. to just make sure he knew anytime I had a seizure, a simple partial seizure that he was aware of, and um, go have blood work done and go check on this. So it was really halfway through the pregnancy where I realized there's no way we're gonna be able to have two children. And I had that conversation with my husband and said, you know, I just don't know how we will be able to have two children and me get sleep. Mm -hmm. And he agreed, which made it a lot easier. So, so we... you touch on something incredibly important right there, mm -hmm. which I, I really want to discuss in that having had two children myself, mm -hmm. um, I know that sleep during the third trimester is um, challenging to say mm -hmm. the least, but sleep deprivation is one of the biggest triggers for people with epilepsy, yeah. one of the biggest seizure triggers. What, how did you manage that? What did your doctor tell you to do to yeah. help you sleep during that third trimester? It's my number one trigger. So my doctor knew that. Um, and so most nights I have a hard time sleeping because in my head I'm looking at the clock and I'm thinking I need to get that six hours. So um, on the nights that I couldn't sleep, I took Benadryl and that was mm -hmm. safe for a woman to take. So it was sort of it was nice to know that was on my dresser if I needed it, and I didn't feel bad about taking it because my child's fine. Yeah. And I took Benadryl often. Yeah, and she, do what you have to do. She's okay. The doctor did say that your baby might be a little sleepier. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't think my husband's going to mind. No, that's not a common complaint yeah. for new parents. Um, so you're getting through your third trimester mm -hmm. and you're planning, uh, you're putting together your birth plan. Mm -hmm. What did that look like? How did um, avoiding seizures and, and epilepsy affect how you created that birth plan? Sure. So um, I knew that when we got to the hospital, everybody who was going to be taking care of me needed to know not just that I have epilepsy, but that sleep is important. And so depending on what time we were to go to the hospital on the day the baby was going to come, um, it really worried me that what if we're there and I'm a 12-hour labor and I'm not sleeping. So my plan was um, to be prepared to let everybody know 
I need to sleep. You need to give me a six hour window of just sleep, at least a few hours of uninterrupted sleep. And it worked where the, my water broke, we went to the hospital and it all sort of like worked out, but um, telling everybody and being really strict and firm about don't come in and bother me, I need to sleep or I'll have a seizure. Mm -hmm. So that was the, the, the day of plan and it worked. You birth your mm -hmm. amazing daughter and now it's time to take her home. Yeah. And you are now going up against the sleep deprivation of mm -hmm. new parents. Yeah. Um, how did you manage that? Sure. So I talked to a friend who had two children and she helped me really map it out. And it was really a mapped out process. So my husband was working full time, so he couldn't do all of the nighttime feeding. So we worked it out where we had this little table um, in the guest room and I had set up all the formula bottles so that in the middle of the night, he would just be able to grab one. And while I was sleeping, he would be able to go feed Nora. Um, so I would stay awake from 9 to 3, and then he would get up at 3 a.m. and be up the rest, and I would sleep. And so we had shifts, and um, it meant me taking melatonin on those nights. I couldn't fall asleep so that I could get that six hours. Well, and you, you mentioned something else, which I think is, is important to, to note in that you used formula bottles as opposed yeah. to, to mm -hmm. breastfeeding. And, yeah. um, you know, I think there's a lot of stigma around mm -hmm. that and a lot of pressure being yeah. put on mothers that, you know, to go the, the natural way, right. um, which is, um, you know, and, and so I think that it's really amazing that, you know, you, you do what works, works for you right. and how you keep everyone healthy. Right. There was no way I was going to add one more pressure to my plate of worrying about getting sleep. And so, yeah, I formula fed her, and um, it would just, it, you almost have to um, mm -hmm. if you want to get sleep. Yeah. And she's fine. She doesn't have allergies, all these stories, but right, the stigma. If women who say those things knew what it's really like to make decisions and, you know, a personal well, decision just that listening it is. to you, the amount of planning that went into you having your daughter. You're talking about starting this planning process three or four yeah. years before she's ever yeah. born and the in-depth planning that had to take place through the through mm -hmm. the pregnancy, your birth plan afterwards. I mean, this is next level plans that most families don't even consider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and one of the other things I looked into was having a night nurse, mm -hmm. and they're expensive, but I thought between my husband needing sleep to go to work, well, my mom and dad were coming every Thursday night to take over the night shifts. His parents were gonna help, but I felt like we could use a night nurse once a week, but he didn't like the idea of having anyone coming into the house, so he did all the night feedings. Wow. But having family help out as much as possible and, and keeping them on a schedule like every Wednesday mm -hmm. or Thursday, knowing someone's going to come and take over so that you have your partner a break. can sleep. Right? Yeah. What advice would you give to families who are, are looking to get pregnant where uh, the woman has epilepsy? Mm -hmm. what, what do you wish you had known prior to all of prior to having Nora? I wish I had known a woman who had been through it and had a healthy baby. 
And my doctor reassured me and told me it was going to be okay and everything's going to be fine. But I wish I had heard from another woman who had a healthy baby and was on her seizure meds. Mm -hmm. So I just had a conversation with um, a woman who's in this was in that stage of you know thinking about getting pregnant, and she just wanted to talk to me about it. So what I would tell any young women who are thinking about getting pregnant and have epilepsy, don't listen to the statistics. And don't do research online about pregnancy and epilepsy because you'll read a lot of really scary stories that will deter you. I think that that is valuable advice for for most people who yeah. are battling a chronic medical condition. Right. If you can find right. any information on the internet that is going to be yeah. terrifying and pot potentially inaccurate. Yeah. Lord knows I have gone down Google rabbit holes of hell yeah. myself. So you, you have to have that conversation with your doctor and knowing that epilepsy is such a unique to right. the individual condition yeah. that, you know, one person's story is not your story. Right. right? My other advice is if you have to stay on your medication, it doesn't mean something bad is going to happen. Most women who are on their medication have healthy babies. Mm -hmm. um, and it's safer, your, any doctor will say this, it's safer to be on the meds for the fetus than to come off the meds. So I think I would just say that it's possible to get pregnant. It's possible to have a healthy pregnancy and delivery. And you just have to be really organized with the sleeping and have a really good partner or a night nurse mm -hmm. or a family member that can be with you every night to do the nighttime feedings while the baby's not sleeping. Caroline, thank you so, so much for being that woman who is willing to share mm -hmm. your story, who is willing to talk about your pregnancy so that the thousands of women out there who are in your shoes feel a little less alone and mm -hmm. um, so. like they have you know, they've seen, they've heard someone else go through this and they know it's possible. And mm -hmm. um, I think your story will bring so much hope to so many families out there. So thank you. It's my pleasure. It was a pleasure speaking with Caroline today. Managing a condition like epilepsy while pregnant can be so difficult to navigate. And we're grateful Caroline opened up about her experiences. It is a reminder that we can do anything we set our minds to. That is why I am on the board of Citizens United for Research in Epilepsy, CURE. Our mission is to find a cure for epilepsy that starts by working together to find a solution. Discover different ways you can help in the search for a cure at cureepilepsy.org forward slash get hyphen involved. Thanks. The opinions expressed in this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of CURE. The information contained herein is provided for general information only and does not offer medical advice or recommendations. Individuals should not rely on this information as a substitute for consultations with qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with individual medical conditions and needs. CURE strongly recommends that care and treatment decisions related to epilepsy and any other medical condition be made in consultation with a patient's physician or other qualified healthcare professionals who are familiar with the individual's specific health situation.